Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. It's time to rebel against stereotypes, herd mentality, and limiting beliefs. Today, I brought on Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, founder of the Career Rebel Academy. Dr. Carol Parker Walsh is an award-winning certified career and personal brand strategist. She's also an executive coach, TEDx presenter, author, international keynote, and member of Forbes Coaches Council. Carol leverages her JD, PhD, and multiple certifications, along with her experience to help successful driven female professionals do meaningful work they're meant to do within the world. All of this without sacrificing their years of success, hard work, and income. So as you can see, Dr. Carol is going to be just amazing, and this episode is going to help us fight against herd mentality so we can find the best career for ourselves. Let's launch right into it with episode 245 of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Dr. Carol, how are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? I'm doing great, just living my best life here. As someone who founded the Career Rebel Academy, I think that name is just so magnificent. What is the problem with following the herd? Yeah, the problem with just following what everyone else is doing is that you don't learn what's unique and fabulous about yourself. It doesn't allow your gifts and your superpowers to stand out in the way that they should, or you are able to make the impact in the world that really only you can make. And when you just follow everyone else, you tend to devalue pieces of yourself. You don't acknowledge the fabulousness of who you are. You try to pull and strip those things away so that you can fit in with the rest of the herd and not really stand out. I remember when I did my TED Talk before, there was a quote that I found years ago that I think just crystallizes it. And it asked the question, it was an article in a magazine or, or an ad that said, what did you leave behind mm-hmm. when you came to work today? It just it's always struck me that when we come into places, when we get into the herd, that we always strip off pieces of ourselves so that we don't stand out, that we don't seem odd or different, that people don't question us, that people don't say anything like, oh, you're weird because we don't want to be ostracized from the herd. But when we follow the herd, all the things that make us wonderful are usually those things that we strip away and leave at the door. And those are the things that we should bring in so that we can stand out in the most powerful way that we can. And the problem is we have to find which herd is our best herd, right? You know, it doesn't mean you can't be in a group with other people. You just want to find the places where you can still be your fabulous self and not have to strip away pieces of yourself to fit in with the rest of the crowd and the rest of the herd. That makes so much sense. And I've never thought about it that way. Like you're stripping away pieces of yourself. Like what makes you special? What makes you an asset to a company? And I think that that's something that a lot of us, we know to an extent, right? It's like, I know that if I follow the herd and not really listening to myself, then, you know, I'm not going to be offering the best version of myself. But why do we do it anyway? Like, I know that there's this tendency for us to follow the herd. And but why have we as humans just have these tendencies to do so? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One, we are pack animals by nature. So we like to be mm-hmm. accepted. No one wants to be ostracized from the village, right? You know, so it's part of our primitive brain. You know, we knew we had to be together to support each other because, you know, if you wandered off, you know, from the caveman times, you may be eaten by a dinosaur or something of that <laughs> nature. So we don't want to be put out of the village. We want to stay together. We And so because of our desire and our nature to be built into community, we do whatever we can to do that 
that. But that gets really misconstrued because there isn't just one singular community. And when society, you know, puts those pressures on us to get back into line, to get back into following the rest of the herd, it becomes really challenging to find our own voice and strength to stand up and to stand really against that. So I think that's one of the reasons that we do that. And I think, too, you know, from a female perspective, women particularly are taught not to brag about themselves, to shine, to be too strong, too smart. You know, I'm speaking specifically probably to women around my age, you know, the more midlife women, you know, we were raised, we were told not to be smarter than the boys in the room or Hmm. not to stand out or not to be seen, you know, to be seen and not heard, right? You know, these are a lot of messaging that women received. And so this idea of like, oh, I don't want to do anything that's going to cause me to differentiate myself becomes a really internalized message. So between our desire to be in community and some of our messaging that we give societally, it really influences our ability to break away from the herd and really stand out for ourselves. That makes so much sense. And, you know, part of its evolution, part of its, you know, generational and just Mm -hmm. we want to be a part of you know, the pack so we can feel that security in certain ways. But I think the work that you do is just so meaningful because you're showing people how to rebel again, going back to that name that you've come up with so people can live their best lives, so to speak. So I think that's fabulous. Yeah. Even I'm thinking about when I was graduating from college, you know, 10 years ago, I felt so much pressure to follow the herd and to do what everyone else was doing because it seemed like the right thing to do. It's like, oh, I'm going to apply for these types of positions and make this salary right off the bat. And I felt if I wasn't doing that myself, then I was doing something wrong. And I just wish I had someone like you to just point me in the right direction, or at least give me a little bit of clarity and help me to make the best choice going forward. Yeah, we really get stuck in this idea of what can you do, right? You know, we go to school, we we are always thinking about the career, the money, the job, Mm -hmm. you know, these are the things that societally, we've been taught and told that these are the monikers of success. This is the path to be able to be respectable and to be practical and, you know, again, to fit in with everyone else. But what we don't ask ourselves is, well, what do I want? What do I want to do? You know, who do I want to be in the world? Right. We don't ask ourselves those questions and we go through our lives searching and going after the brass ring. That's all external to who we are. But we don't stop to ask ourselves, is that's really what I want? We think it's what we want because we've been told that's what we should want. So we look for those things that really validate that journey. But to ask ourselves what we want is something that we're not really taught to do. And in fact, Mm -hmm. depending on your culture, depending on, you know, your upbringing, depending on where you come from, to ask yourself what you want is foolish. It's a luxury. Like no one cares. Like that doesn't matter. That's the message you get. I thought about this to myself. (laughs) Yeah, right. That doesn't matter what you want. What matters Mm -hmm. is that, well, if you have a family, you have to take care of them. That Mm -hmm. if you have responsibilities as an adult, right, it's all these practical things that I'm not saying don't matter, but they should not be looked upon an exclusivity of what it is that really matters to me and how do I want to express myself and what do I want to do that would make me happy and joyful and make the best contribution to the world and get paid for it, right? There's this idea that it has to be one or the other. And I am all about, you can have both. Right. And so I'm sure that this is an entire book, right, that we could unpack. (laughs) But if you can just give us five minutes or so and we can riff off of each other. But how do we stop following the herd and start living our authentic selves? It starts very simply by asking yourself the question of what do you really want? 
right? In the years of the work that I've done with women, when I ask that question, that is the most hardest question to answer. What do I want? They can tell me about careers or jobs or positions or titles or salaries. But when I say, what do you want? That is the hardest question to answer. So the first thing we have to do is really dig deep and take the time to reflect on that. And then when you understand that, when you get clear around that is to vision it out. Look at your future self. Like, where do you see yourself going? And then spend some time reverse engineering, getting back to get going on the path that makes the best sense for you, right? So start with the deep dive, do the self-excavation of what am I really good at? What do I really resonates with me? What is something that people have always told me throughout my life that I was really good at, or they always came to me for something, you know, really look for those skill sets and that those gifts that you have that aren't just given to you from a degree or even a certification or other things that come external from you. But what you want to do is- Would you count that as part of that? Absolutely. Your experience, your life experience, you have learned more and probably done more than you can even- even probably remember or recall. And so Mm -hmm. by going back and really looking at all that stuff and then looking how you can leverage any external things that you have, that can really help you to get a better idea of what you really want to do. And then what is your future vision? You have to vision it. You have to be really clear about what that is. You have to say yes to the scary stuff. And then you have to go ahead and walk that path. Part of the biggest challenge is that people don't want to ask that question, that they don't want to do that work, is that they're afraid of the answer. Mm -hmm. And they're afraid of the unknown on the other side of that answer. And it's easier to step our toes into something that we're very clear about, we're very sure about, we know what the outcome is going to be. But when we're faced with something where we're not clear, you know, the brain likes certainty. And so when we're faced with something that's not clear, that we don't know what the answer is to, we don't want to go there. We stick with what we know as opposed to going in that direction. So a lot of times we do know what we want to do if we gave ourselves the opportunity to discover that, but we're afraid to go after what we want to do. And that's the thing that keeps us there. Okay. And so one of the things that we talked about last time, I I got a little bit personal with you and I told you that in my secret life, I want to be a musician just going off and, you know, playing gigs and producing on the side. And, you know, there is some truth to that and that I love what I do now. I feel like this is my purpose, my calling to run this resume service. But part of me has this really strong hunger just to go out and make music. I know I'm good at this job. I've done it for seven years. I've built it up. It's given me financial security. It's given me a purpose and meaning. So For me, I feel like this is something that I can easily really, really stick with right now. But let's say that I do want to go ahead and make that leap to become a musician. That's really scary. Yeah. Speaking to that, it's like, how am I going to make money off of that? How am I going to be able to make that leap? And I think that goes back to your question earlier, which is it's what I want to do, but it's not something I feel good about, you know, if I were to make that leap. So what would you say? I love that. that. I so love that. You know, and that's that's usually the the common blockage that people have. Right. You know, and I call that the tyranny of the how, like, how am I going to make this happen? So, Mm -hmm. you know, how keeps us stuck? I'm a big advocate of building the bridge to where it is that you want to go and not leaping across. We haven't we <laughs> haven't built those super powers the... up yet, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? So we're not gonna leap all across the canyon, you know, in one yeah. single bound. We have to kind of build up to get there. We have to slowly but surely build the bridge to where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, you know, what we're doing now, it doesn't mean that we can't do what we're doing now. But I think it's really important and valuable to lean in and to explore what are the ways I could do it. Like maybe on the weekend you have a side gig where you do a little 
bit of your music or a little bit of your producing while you're doing the day job that you absolutely love and adore and that you give your time to it. And the beautiful thing about just even testing the waters, you may figure out that while I love music and producing, I don't want that to be my career. I love doing it in the nooks and crannies of my life. Mm -hmm. I love doing it part time. I love doing it here and there, right? Sometimes we think I love baking. I should be a baker. And then we open a bakery and we hate it. You know, <laughs> it just ruined baking for them. Right, yeah. We ruined baking for ourselves. <laughs> just because we have an interest or passion doesn't necessarily mean that that needs to be the way that we build mm-hmm. an income stream from it, right? And, but you don't know unless you try. You don't know unless you put yourself out there and take the time. Now, say you do do it part time or you do it on the side and you're like, oh, this is exactly what I'm meant to do. Then what you need to do is build the bridge to get there. Right. It's not an overnight proposition. It's not a let's quit this job and go all in with music. I I don't believe in that. I think what needs to happen, I think that's the thing that gets people really scared about thinking that they have to go after their passion or, quote unquote, go after their dreams, is that they have to leave everything, go completely broke and unemployed while they try to figure out what's next. And that is not the path. The path is to stay where you are and find opportunities to explore what it is that you have an interest in. Start meeting people, start connecting, start asking questions, start creating scenarios where you can be doing the thing that you think you really would love to be able to do or to explore and just test that out. Keep building that pathway to get where it is that you want to go and you build it to a point where you can actually see it as a viable option, as a viable career, as something you absolutely maybe can walk into and leave where you are right now. And it so involves it's a taking process. action. Yeah. Yes, yes, but that's the key. What we often do is stick in our minds. We stay in our heads about it. Oh, I wish I could do this. I would love to do this. And then we tell ourselves immediately it can't be done without even trying to explore if it's even possible, right? We put blinders on ourselves and think that, you know, this is all I can do. I have a degree in this. I've only worked in this field for 20 years. I've only done this type of work. So that's all I can do. And everything else is a pipe dream or a fantasy. But when we sleep back into doing that deep excavation work that I talked about and exploring the things that you actually love to do, that you can do, experiences that you had that teaches you that you probably have taken risks or explored things that and did that very successfully so that it's possible for you to do it again. It allows you to open up those blinders and see what more is possible for you. And as you take those steps toward it, as you visualize where you want to go, as you lean into that, as you get clear about what that is, all of a sudden you start seeing these opportunities, you start seeing these pathways for you to be able to take on something that maybe you never have thought of before. To me, the biggest challenge is that we need to get over this idea that we are limited in our paths. And I Mm. believe very strongly that Mm -hmm. our only limitations are the ones that we create and they're the ones that come societally to us. You know, we've been taught something, told something, and then we just accept it as a belief system. And then that just becomes the end of the story. And that's not the end of the story. There is so much available to us if we just gave ourselves a permission to even just explore it as an option. I love that so much. That makes so much sense to me. And for me, that's encouraging to hear. And like I said, there's elements of truth to this. I do want to make that leap, but I just haven't done it. And I've talked to friends about it and I've written out and I've, I've done the vision work that you've talked about, but I haven't actually taken those steps because I just, I'm not clear about what it would look like, but taking some sort of action and being open to the fluidity, like I think we discussed in our last conversation, I think is so important because we're not going to have the next five years exactly mapped out to what 
it's going to be like there's got to be some element of rolling with the punches and going with the flow there you know if life was a straight path you know we'd all be on the highway of <laughs> fabulousness <laughs> yeah. right it is always you know we plan and everything you know falls apart right mm-hmm. it's it's never just a smooth sailing there are ups and downs and lefts and rights you know even in the the path that we go even if we choose an option and even if we are clear that that's where we want to go it doesn't yeah. mean there won't be some bumps and bruises along the way but just taking the action talking to people you know going to a conference or going to a meeting where music producers meet or, you know, sitting in the room with people and just sharing your vision and sharing your ideas or just asking the questions. It doesn't have to be massive, big actions at first, but it needs to be what you said beautifully is that you have to take some action until you take action. It just becomes a dream. And the one thing, you know, when there's been a, there's been a lot of research about, you know, regret. And one of the things that Tim Gilovich has done work on it, and he talks about that the things that we regret are the things that we haven't done. In our, it's not the things that we've done. That we have it's the things, done. Interesting. That it's the things that we have not done. It's the opportunities that we didn't take. It's the things in front of us that we said no to and we knew in our hearts of hearts we should have may, may have said yes to. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we regret in our life. It's not the things that we've done. It's the things that we have not done. Wonderful insight there. So let's talk about the concept of approval. And I think this concept is fascinating because going back to what you said earlier, it's like if we didn't have if we didn't follow the herd or a part of our tribe, we felt like we were going to be cast out, eaten by tigers, whatever. Um, I think approval works in the same way. And I've had lots of friends who say that they don't want to do something because they have a family member or a friend that would I wouldn't say actively discourage the next part of the career, that part of the path that they want to take, but they won't approve and they won't offer them that support. So do we need the support in this day and age in order for us to get there? Do I need that approval? Yeah, you need to find new friends. (laughs) Listen, because we are pack animals by nature, because we do like community, I think what we need to do is find the right community. So this is, to me, an example. When I left law, I got so much backlash from the people around me thinking like after all that years of school and all that, you know, 10 years practicing, like, are you crazy and the money you can make? right? Right. I had so many people who were not on my side when I ultimately got my doctorate and I was in academia and had went up to become an associate dean, was on the path to be a provost and all of that. When I walked away from that, my colleagues were even more you know, negative and told me I was crazy and foolish and it made no sense. I mean, it's interesting how people have so much perspective on your life when they're not living it. They're not in the middle of it. They're not paying. You a don't bill know. Me. Yeah, right. You don't <laughs> right. know what I've been thinking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but people seem to be crystal clear about your life, you know, when they don't have the same kind of clarity around their own. You know, the thing about approval is that we have to be clear that the first level of approval needs to come from ourselves and not from others. We have to have the strength and confidence in doing what we want to do. And then what we do is we look for communities of support, right? It's easy to be in a community of naysayers, including our own mindsets. We may be our biggest naysayer, right? And the reason sometimes we listen to other people doubting us is because we don't have confidence or clarity. And so because we're not sure, we're not confident, and we hear other people, you know, feed into that, we just assume, okay, that's right. And it's a way for us to either get off the hook or not follow through or it just validates our own lack of confidence in what we're Mm -hmm. actually doing. So the first level of approval has to come from ourselves. It, it, It absolutely does. But then what we have to do is look for communities of support. 
is part of the reason that I created this Rebel Academy is because it's a community of women. You know, to rebel by yourself can be very isolating, right? And it's easy to give in when you're getting a lot of naysayers and people around you. But when you have a community of people who are right in the fight with you, who are saying, absolutely, you know, I'm scared, but I'm making the leap as well. You know, let's do it together. Let's support each other. Then you can find support. But if you notice, it's not a community of people approving of what you do. It's a community of people who are also approving themselves, having building that self-confidence muscle within themselves and taking Uh. the journey together. So it's about finding community of support, not a community of people to approve, because the only person who should approve of what you're doing is you. Okay. And any hypothetical examples or, or something that you could speak to about someone who found their community and where they found this community? Like, are we talking like Facebook groups or, you know, things like that? Yeah, I remember, you know, a couple of people that I've worked with and, you know, particularly one in particular comes to mind. She her family, her culture from her family was about she had got her degree. She was um, a psychologist. She was in medicine. And from a cultural perspective. Like that was honorable. And what she wanted to do was be a filmmaker. She wanted to make documentary films. When she told her family that she was practically disowned and they would not speak to her. But what she was so she was so passionate about what she wanted to do. And there was a message that she wanted to tell that she went ahead and found a community of other filmmakers and documentary makers. And, you know, you know, she found a totally different community outside of like the medical profession that she was in. And they encouraged her. She told them her vision. She told them what she wanted to do, the stories that she wanted to tell. And she was so encouraged by them to do that, that she actually produced a documentary that won an award that actually helped to save lives. And it was a documentary that it was interesting. This is what I mean about leveraging your own skill sets and your own interests and passion. She loved what she did in the medical profession. So her documentary was a life-saving documentary on the signs that people should look for a particular, I think, disease or something that she was, um, you know, doing the documentary about. So she wedded her skill sets and knowledge in one field and moved it over into a passion that she really wanted to do and created this amazing documentary documentary that won awards that actually people utilize and reference to, to really save lives and to teach a message and to share information. Yeah. Right. And now, even though she's done it, her family has a little bit more respect. You know, they're, they're coming around and so to speak, because she won an award and it was really popular and famous and they saw the vision of what she wanted to do. But she had to find that other community of people community. who understood her, who listened to her, who were supporting her for her to be able to go through and do this. And so, you know, it's, Your community could be anywhere, right? Some of it is just letting people know that's what your interest is. And when you let people know that, they may introduce you to a community that you didn't even know that was there that maybe you could connect to. And I know this is challenging and hard. You know, this was, she spent a lot of sleepless nights. She was in tears. She was, I mean, this was years. It wasn't so straightforward, like you said earlier. It's never straightforward. And it's not easy when you're in particularly a familiar community of your family and they're not accepting or they're telling you that this is not what you should do. And, And, you know, those things giving dinners could be really challenging, right? You know, even if you're invited, I know some people who aren't even invited to their family events because, you know, of they don't want any conflicts because they're not on the same page. So I'm not suggesting that this is an easy path 
And I'm not suggesting that this won't be a hard path. And I'm not suggesting that there won't be some lonely moments and opportunities. But what I am telling you is that there are communities out there. And if you start talking to people and sharing your vision and start communicating and bridging out outside of the people just around you, you can find those communities of support. They are out there. Amazing. Thank you so much for that story. Because it not only illustrated the power of community and how you can be uplifted to make that transition, but also you can use your past no matter what it was to leverage and to become a unique, to just have an advantage, I think, for wherever you want to go. Because I get a lot of questions for people who are like, you know, I'm a salesperson and I want to be a software engineer. How does all my sales experience help software engineering? Or, you know, I'm a teacher right now. And I want to be somebody who is, you know, something completely not related to teaching. But a lot of the times people find ways to take that teaching experience or whatever they've had before and leverage it for that wacky or oddball transition that they're about to make. And they're just so much more powerful that way. Oh, my goodness. And see, this is what I mean about we get so stuck with we get trapped in these ideas of titles right? But if a salesperson wants to be a software engineer, what the salesperson has to realize is that look at the skill sets it took for you to be a successful salesperson. That means you know how to influence. That means Mm -hmm. you have great presentation skills. That means you know how to explain very complicated things in very simplistic ways so that people can understand it and want to purchase from you and want to buy from you. So if you're moving into software engineer, you have to be able to be a leader and explain what it is that you're developing so people actually want to connect with what it is that you're developing. You want to be able to understand the complexities of that work so that when you're explaining to people and teaching other people what it is that you're designing and developing, that they know how to understand that and utilize the software that you're actually creating or developing for them. Yes, there's some external skill sets you need to get if you're going to move from sales to engineering. Absolutely. But there's a lot of internal skill sets that we already have at our disposal that will make us so much better than the average person who's just going straight into software engineering. Mm. Or even for the teacher who spent years educating, managing a classroom, conflict management, team building. So much of that, right? Yeah, All of that, right? As a teacher. (laughs) And you're going to take all of those skills and we forget that those are skill sets. We just think of ourselves, well, I was a teacher, so how can a teacher do this? Well, look at the skill sets, the natural talents and abilities that you developed as part of that role. That's going to differentiate you and make you that much better in what it is that you're moving into from mm-hmm. someone who did do, who did nothing else than what it is that you're moving into next. Wonderful. Spectacular. Thank you so much. I want to talk about the concept of crisis, having a crisis within our life. So we hear people use the buzzwords, you know, quarter life crisis, midlife crisis. You've even said that you believe that every decade has a crisis or can have a crisis. So the brilliant thing that you reframed a crisis as is it's more of a challenge, right? So there are challenges for us to step and grow into So what happens when we step up to that challenge here? It's a fabulous thing. You know, Eric Erickson is a psychologist and it's popular in the human development field. And he talks about the different times of our decade, how we're faced with these different challenges that we're moving through that, right, that people can look at them in crises. And, you know, in our 20s and 30s, we're looking so forward focused into what it is that we can do and become and move into. And then as we move into our midlife, we start looking back at our lives, seeing what we've accomplished and what we've done. And, you know, as we're moving forward 
And building that up, we start then somewhere in the middle thinking about the value, the impact, the legacy that we want to create. And then as we go forth in our midlife, we start looking back to see, well, did I do what I wanted to do? Did I provide value? Did I make an impact? Did I create a legacy that I'm proud of and that I want to leave behind? And, you know, in each of those phases, and particularly at midlife, which is usually the population that I work with, I think it's so important that we don't get to that place and then look back over the what ifs, right? I talked about that earlier about what we regret are the things that we haven't done. And we don't want to get to that place and then look back and think, wow, you know, look at all the lost opportunities. Not only that, we don't want to get to that place and think that it's over. There's nothing else that we can do because we still have so much more life ahead that we have to do. So the challenges that we have through each of those phases is just really facing, did I do what I wanted to do? And yes, there's still time for me to do it. So how do I then step into that next iteration? How do I not live in the fear of the past, the limitations of the past, the, oh, well, I have my turn or, oh, well, I took that road or that journey and now I can't redirect or reshift that. And how do I change that to step into the next iteration that I want to step into? Every decade gives us an opportunity to move forth and start over. I always tell people that our past doesn't exist. It's gone. There's nothing we could do about it, right? It's done. It's over. But what we do have is the present and tomorrow. And so every day we have this incredible opportunity to say, this is going to be a new day and I'm going to start over. That I actually can let this be the first day of whatever I want my future to hold for me. And so that's the process of stepping into the possibilities of what's happening. And that's what we have the opportunity to do every single day. Absolutely. And so meaningful for me, who I'm someone who is about to turn 30 and a little bit here. And, you know, we've always heard, you know, by the time you turn 30, or this is at least what I've heard, it's like, oh, by that time, you'll have, you know, everything figured out. And my answer is yes and no. It's definitely yes and no. (laughs) I have not had it all figured out. And I feel like for me, I feel like a challenge come like for myself into, you know, growing as a person and figuring out what I'm supposed to be doing next as my, the next part of my purpose. So Absolutely. that's empowering for me. That's really empowering. Absolutely. Listen, I always tell people, if you have feel like you have figured it all out, then I feel sorry for you because mm-hmm. if you think you know everything and you figured it all out, then you have closed yourself up to what's possible and what's waiting around the corner for you next. You have to be open. You have to be adaptable. You have to be agile. It's not about, you know, I love this idea of, you know, thinking about chaos theory in terms of how we move forward. Like it's not about planning, but it's about being prepared for what comes next. You know, it's about being open to opportunities, being adaptable and agile. Look, we just went through a pandemic or actually we're still kind of on the outskirts of it, but everything that we thought we knew is totally different and changing. And so we have to remain open to the possibilities of what's available for us in life. You know, I started my business. I left my career, started my business when I turned 50. And for most people, that's like, what? No, you should be thinking about retirement and and like going downhill with the rest of your life. But for me, that was an opening and a revelation. And over the last of the course of now, almost a decade since I've started that, you know, I have grown and learned so much over these past years that I would never have had the opportunity to grow and experience and even to be on this show had I stayed limited and closed to thinking that, well, my time was done and my options were open and, well, I've achieved everything. So what else is there? Right. So if we close ourselves off to it, listen, you get one bite at this thing called life. And if you're not going to be open to what's possible and available to you, how limiting and challenging. I never want to look back 
and with regret. I never want to look back and say, I wish I had. What if I tried? What if I just at least took a moment? And even if I fell flat on my face in that moment, then at least I can say, well, I did it and I knew that wasn't the right thing to do, (laughs) right? What I know enough about myself is that I'll never put myself, and, and we know this about ourselves too, I'll never put myself in in the in danger. I'm not going to sacrifice myself and my family in such a way that I'm not going to be able to take care of us or take care of myself. But I I know that even with knowing that, I can still you know try things and and t- have conversations and you know explore and experiment and test things out in life because that's what life is. That's how you grow and learn. I always believe that you should come from a position of learning and not knowing. And if Mm. you could come from a position of learning, even though I do know a lot, but if I always approach every situation as an opportunity to learn, to grow from it, then I become the beneficiary of it. I become so much better because of that. And then I can put that into my little cap and put that in my bag of tricks and utilize that as I continue to grow and learn on this journey. That's wonderful. And I was going to ask you what you felt would be a good anecdote to that fear that people are feeling or like, I haven't had my life figured out or why am I making this transition at such and such age? And I think for me, just telling me that coming from a perspective of learning, not knowing, I think is the good anecdote to that fear. So would you say that's the case? Absolutely. It's absolutely right. Because we don't know. We don't know what's on the other side. But boy, how exciting it is, is it to learn what's on the other side, right? And then that way, every decade becomes another opportunity. For me, it's always like, what's next? Like, ooh, you know, what's next? (laughs) What's coming? Right. Because it's so amazing. I don't need to think about what I've done in the past other than how it can help and support and guide me onto my future. But when I think about every decade to come, I just think about what is that going to be like? That's going to yeah. be even more amazing. And so when you open yourself up to the possibility of what could be, that's so much more exciting to think, oh, now I'm this decade. It's just over for me. <laughs> There's nothing more yes. for me to do. No, yes. There's always something amazing around well, the love- corner. I love that so much. And I love your attitude, Dr. Carol. You have just these last 30 minutes have been an inspiration for me. And so I know the people listening right now are just getting amped up in their seats or in their jogs or or whatnot. So thank you. You are welcome. Thank you. I'll ask you what final words of advice do you have for people looking to make a transition right now? Listen, remember this, your only limits are the ones that you create. So stop creating them. Stop creating those limitations. They're, they're not what other people say, what other people do, or what society says, right? We can use that as an excuse, but truthfully, no one has control over you but you. And so your only limits are the ones that you create for yourself. So break those limits and those limiting beliefs down and go for what you want. Live your best possible life. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, for joining us today on the Career Warrior Podcast. Let me ask you, what are you up to these days and how can people find out more about you? Tell us about your social media, how people can get in touch. Yes. Well, I am all over the social. Good. (laughs) That's what um, we like to hear. But people can find me, you know, my website is such a great starting place. So www.carolparkerwalsh.com. You can find me there. And that links out to so much what I have to offer. I have a a great masterclass that I think is really cool that I I use the analogy of the matrix where I talk about being unplugged. 
Uh, it was really fascinating. You can listen to that. And I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram primarily. So you can definitely find me, Dr. Carol Parker Walsh on those channels as well. Wonderful. And I'll make sure to link those with the description of this podcast as well. So people can find you with the click of a button. So yes. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are fantastic. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. You too. Thank you for having me. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. And listeners, this wraps up episode 245 of the Career Warrior podcast. Really enjoyed this one because I found this to be useful for me in my own life. As we said, I'm turning 30 and I need to figure out what I'm going to do with this upcoming crisis, but I'm not calling it a crisis anymore. I'm calling it a challenge. So this episode was inspirational for me. And like I said, in past episodes, repetition helps a lot. So if you need the encouragement, listen to this episode again, post this on social media, tag Dr. Carol and me. And let us know what you thought of this episode, because it's just going to reinforce that even more. And also would like to give a special shout out to our podcast editor, AJ Aligonero, who has edited 100 episodes with us at the Career Warrior Podcast. AJ, thank you so much for doing this podcast with us because you have made my job so much easier and you've also made this podcast better through everything that you've done. So thank you, AJ, for your help. Listeners, this wraps up episode 245. Can't wait to see you next week. Go out and enjoy your week. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.